Welcome back to Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff. Last week, Chris and I wrapped up the descriptions of each of the nine Enneagram types, and today we'll finish our conversation about the Enneagram. We'll talk about how the Enneagram can be used for transformation, offer some next steps, and dive a little deeper into a different approach to the Enneagram. Now, I'm sure that the Myers-Briggs introvert-extrovert continuum can, well, you could have introverts and extroverts on any of the nine Enneagram numbers, but um, it looks like sevens are usually extroverted or maybe, you know, predominantly extroverted. Is that true? Yeah. So uh, uh, just at the like basic average level of health for the numbers, just kind of looking at the the overall tendencies for these numbers. So three sevens and eights tend to be your, your extroverts. They are the, the doers of the Enneagram. So they are out and achieving and doing things and meeting people. And uh, so being an extrovert helps them be able to go and achieve and do and experience things. Um, on the flip side, the fours, the fives, and the nines tend to be your introverts. So they're the ones that tend to go um, into themselves a little bit more. They aren't necessarily the doers. Um, nines on their at the unhealthy level tend to be um, characterized by sloth. Uh, fours on the unhealthy level uh, tend to be so into their own feelings that they just kind of sit and feel. Um, and then fives we talked about only having a certain amount of energy um, that tends to go toward thinking. And so they're not doers, they're thinkers. And fours aren't doers, they're feelers. And nines are in the gut triad, but they tend to be the the less achieving um, because any kind of tension with a nine will just kind of drain their energy. So they tend to just kind of go with the flow as well. And then the ones in the middle, the ones, the twos and the sixes, they're the more relationship oriented people on the Enneagram, but they can kind of flex between introvert, extrovert, doing and not doing, um, being in a relationship and needing time by themselves. And, and so they uh, tend to flex depending on the situation. That's really interesting. I, I suspect that I have um, a pretty strong six side as well. Um, even though I, the, the parts, parts of the nine that, you know, the peacekeeper or peacemakers and um, you know, those kinds of things really, uh, speak to me strongly, but I definitely think I have a strong six side as well, uh, because I think I'm not quite as introverted as, um, some people, um, you know, I, I talked about my mother-in-law who I believe is a five and she's far more introverted than I am. And I think it's just kind of a spectrum. And also the healthier mm-hmm. you are, the more you're able to, um, engage in all aspects of your personality of even some of the other numbers as well. And so what's interesting, Chris, is if you Google Enneagram and you look at the image of the Enneagram, it's a circle. And I mentioned earlier that it's a bunch of lines that are kind of connecting with each other. And those lines on that image are not arbitrary. There is a thought about the Enneagram that, um, that you have a, an easier connection or you tend to be able to reach out and uh, accept the gifts of the other numbers that you have your lines connected to. So threes, sixes, and nines are all a triangle, all of themselves. And so it's very common for threes, sixes, and nines to see 
three, six, and nine in themselves because they're connected on those lines. Yeah, I can see that in my wife. Um, I think maybe the, in the last episode, I, I mentioned that she's a two, but she, the more she learns about it, she feels more connected to the four, but she definitely sees herself in both the two and the four, um, but maybe you know, you know, predominantly or, or a little bit more forcefully in the four side. So um, uh, that, that explains that um, the twos and the fours are connected. Yeah. So I have a friend that's a two and uh, he can feel his four a lot, but then on the other side of two is eight. And so he lives in his eight a lot when he feels stressed out and he can see that kind of unfolding um, before his, his own eyes. Um, so that's how he kind of understands his two-ness is also some eightness and some fourness as well. And that's just one thought of the Enneagram. Um, I tend to take a more, some people would say a more heretical view of the Enneagram, but I think that it's beautiful and it's actually made a lot more sense in my life and understanding who I am and how I've been created, um, to look at it in a more integrated way. So uh, from this point forward, I would recommend that, uh, maybe you go back and, and read more about some of the numbers. You might already have an idea of, okay, I definitely feel connected to the six and the seven or the one and the five or the eight and the three or something like that, um, or maybe three numbers. And so what I would recommend doing is kind of go through the numbers and rank them. Okay. I feel most connected to this number all the way down to, I feel the least connected to this number. And you might find that some of the ones in the very top are connected by lines um, and some are not. Um, and uh, so if you're if they're connected by the lines, that totally makes sense. Uh, my best friend is a nine. His next highest is a three. And after that is a six. The three, the six and the nine are all connected. It makes sense to me why I feel very connected to a nine and I'm growing in my three and Chris, it makes sense that you would be connected to a six as well, that that might be your, your top two because they are connected. But with the integrated Enneagram, I look at it as, as a ranking of all the numbers. And, uh, and I say that it's fluid, which means that in different circumstances or different seasons of your life, your rankings might change. I would say that your primary number is probably always going to be at the very top or maybe secondary, depending on your circumstance. Um, there was a season in my life where my spiritual director said to me, you are presenting as a four. If I didn't know you, I would think that you were a four. And that was because I was going through a season in my life where the gifts of the four were helping me cope with the, with my circumstances. If you look at the Enneagram images, there's no line between the six and the four. They're not even right next to each other. Like it would make sense if if you saw a lot of five in me, and I would say that five is pretty high for me as well, because it's right next to the six on the on the Enneagram, but there is no line or connection to the four. The integrated Enneagram has helped me understand why and and accept the reasons why the four was helping me cope with my circumstances in that season of my life. But at the end of the day, I feel that I am very much a six. And so I see a lot of my six coming through in how I was presenting as a four. But again, those gifts just really helped me. Um, there's a lot in my life. I've talked to Chris a lot about my perfectionist tendencies. And so I see 
a one come out in my life to, I present as a one a lot of the time. So one of the uh, places that I'm involved with where I run camera for, I can get so down on myself if I mess up a camera shot. And so that is kind of my like one coming out. Um, and that, that inner critic saying that you didn't do this well enough. And, you know, and then I can go down the spiral, which is very six as well. These, these spiral thinking tendencies, but with the one coming out, um, with the running the camera, my inner critic just tells me that like, you suck, you shouldn't get paid for this. Like, you know, you, uh, um, you should get fired. And so that is kind of where my brain goes. And so that is my one kind of surfacing there. Chris, what would you say might be your top three numbers? Um, I definitely think that the nine is the strongest in me now. Um, I believe that the six would probably be a close second. And then I, I think, I know we haven't talked about wings yet, but I, I definitely see the number one, the perfectionist side of me and the reformer, um, as it's described, uh, come out in me. At, at times as well. So I would say that nine, six, then one. Yeah, which makes total sense with that traditional Enneagram of like you are one single number and you have access to the numbers that are that you're connected to. So the nine and the six have a line and the nine and the one are right next to each other. So that that makes complete sense in the traditional Enneagram, but then it also you know, it kind of doesn't necessarily make a difference with the integrated because it's still a ranking. I see the beauty in in the Enneagram in that um, it shows how diverse uh, the whole world is, and you know, and that everyone is is got different gifts and brings different um, gifts to the whole world. And um, you know, if everyone were uh, a nine, well. There would be a whole lot of peace and quiet in the world, but it would be pretty boring. So, you know, we need, we need all kinds. Um, there's you know, that, that saying it takes all kinds and it really does uh, in order to make, um, to make an interesting and, and functional world. And so that's, I think the beauty of the Enneagram is that there are so many kinds of people and, and they all bring something positive and beneficial to everyone else. Chris, you are speaking like a four <laughs> right now when you're talking about beauty and all of that. Um, but yeah, the, there are these gifts of each of the number. And I use the word gift. Um, some uh, authors will call them the holy ideas, which is kind of at their best, each number offers something to the world. And so um, I'd love to go through those real quick. At the best, the ones, the perfectionists, they show the world perfection twos at their best, they're called the helper. So it makes sense that they would show the world love when they're at their best. Threes are the performer and achiever. Um, and at their best, they can show glory. Fours are the are called the individualist or the romantic, and they show the world beauty, which is why I was joking that what you were talking about sounds just like something a four mm -hmm. would say. Um, yeah. Fives are the observer. And they, you know, through knowledge, they show the world omniscience. So just knowledge and knowing and understanding sixes at their best um, because we are so um, insecure most of the time. If we are healthy, then we show the world courage and faith um, sevens at their best. They're the enthusiasts. So they are joy. Eights are the challengers and at their best, they can show the world power 
And Chris, you already mentioned this about nines, but nines are the peacemakers. And so at their best, they show the world peace. And so if you take all of these nine characteristics, perfection, love, glory, beauty, omniscience, faith, joy, power, and peace, and kind of put them all together. Um, and if everybody were to grow in all nine of these gifts, hence the integrated Enneagram, that is a really beautiful picture of humanity. But as it stands, each number kind of growing in their beauty and joy and perfection and power, whatever that individual number is, then that is a healthier person. Um, and then what I love about the integrated Enneagram is that we know how we're presenting. We know our top numbers, but we can also take a look at our lower numbers and start to grow in the gifts and the health of each of those lower numbers as well. So that at the end of the day, we are the healthiest version of all nine of these numbers as we possibly can so that we are able to offer more of these gifts to the world. So I would say moving forward, the best place to start is kind of narrow down your numbers. So go through that ranking, kind of identify maybe your top three, um, and then read more about each of those three numbers to kind of figure out what your primary or your core number might be. And uh, from there, you can begin the path of transformation and, and growth. We said earlier that the uh, uh, the point of the Enneagram is transformation. And if you don't use the Enneagram to grow in who you are as a human being, then you've missed the whole point of the Enneagram. But it first starts with self-awareness. So learn about what your core number is, or maybe even your top three numbers, and then um, read about them all and kind of narrow down who you might be. And whenever you read about these Enneagram numbers online or in books, they always kind of show um, the high points and the low points or the strengths and the weaknesses. And so self-knowledge leads to self-awareness and self-awareness is how we then begin to grow. And also uh, this self-knowledge of how we were created is really important um, because it goes back to that John Calvin quote that the more you know yourself, the more you know God, and the more you know God, the more you know yourself. And so as you begin to understand who you are, you'll be able to see the ways that God is working in your life. Um, and if you find that you really love the Enneagram, and this is something that really interests you, then your spiritual director can um, either point you to resources or help you um, on that journey towards self-discovery as well, because it's all about becoming our best self. So if we are aware of our weaknesses, if we're aware of the things that get in the way that prevent us from growing, then we are living in this box. And then we've used the Enneagram to say, well, this is, this is how I am. And this is the box that I'm living in, but that is not the point of the Enneagram. Um, so uh, some really great resources, and all these will be in the show notes. We've mentioned um, The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. And um, at the end of each chapter about the numbers, they have 10 steps for transformation. So there are little things that you can do to begin growing in your number. Um, another great book um, for spiritual formation is The Enneagram for Spiritual Formation by A.J. Sherrill. Um, and that book has a lot of really practical spiritual formation exercises and uh, um, paths to become your best self. And for the listeners out there that are already very familiar with the Enneagram, or maybe you consider yourself an Enneagram fanatic like myself, I'm sorry if I've stepped on your toes talking about the integrated Enneagram. 
But the farther you get into the Enneagram and growing in your number, you can also start to take a look at what you've ranked to be your bottom three numbers. And again, this will change depending on your circumstances and your seasons of life. But looking at those bottom numbers and beginning to grow and um, accepting the gifts of those numbers as well is also a really great path for growth as well. Um, I have a lot of resources, a lot of my favorite books and uh, um, Instagram accounts and podcasts that I love. And we'll put a lot of those in the show notes for you as well, if you're interested in continuing this. Now, I noticed that uh, you didn't mention anything about taking a test online to figure out what your Enneagram number is. So I'm curious if you think uh, tests are valuable or should people just kind of learn about the different numbers and see what resonates with their spirit. Chris, I am so, 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 so glad that you mentioned that. I am extremely anti-test when it comes to the Enneagram. The reason that I don't like tests is because so many of them are wrong. I personally have taken every single Enneagram test that I can possibly find, free and paid, um, cheap and expensive, and only one has ever typed me correctly. And that one that typed me correctly, I think tends to lean toward uh, typing people as a six because it has mistyped so many of my friends. So uh, I don't like tests because um, they tend to ask questions about behavior and not motivation. And the Enneagram is very much rooted in motivation and not behavior. So I would say that the best way to learn about your number is to... uh, listen to somebody describe it or read a book about them. Um, don't take a test and, uh, and pay attention to what kind of clicks with your spirit, what kind of, what you connect with, with each number. And, uh, the more that you connect with the number, continue to read more about that number and, um, and maybe even your top three numbers. And, uh, I like to go back and look at my overall rankings and say, all right, this is how I'm presenting. This is kind of the numbers that I don't Uh, want anything to do with, or I kind of have shame around some of this behavior that that's kind of lower on my rankings. But I like to revisit my rankings every um, maybe three to six months, uh, maybe even every year. Um, There are people that say you should take a test every 10 years, which again, I'm not about the test. But um, if you are really, really stuck um, in finding out what Enneagram number you are, A test can be helpful if it gives you your top three or even an overall ranking because it can help you begin to kind of narrow down what numbers to read more about. But I would say just learn about the numbers and you will know what you connect with. And then from there, learn more. Embrace your five and do research on all the the numbers that you connect with the most and kind of come up with your own rankings. Also, another reason why I am against Enneagram tests is because um, I think that the book, The Road Back to You, is a really great image for the Enneagram. It's a road, it's a path, it's a journey to figuring out who you are and how you were created and what you're motivated by and um, what behaviors come out of your motivations and whatnot. And so taking a test kind of automatically puts you at the end of this journey and it robs you of the journey toward discovering who you are, because this is a lifelong journey to knowing who you are, who God is, how you were created and how God works in your life. So um, the test kind of robs you of all of that. And also if 
somebody types you, if somebody knows you and says, oh, well, you're this number. Well, again, they have robbed you of this journey to self-discovery because the more that you learn about yourself, the more sticky it is in this, in the road to transformation. But if someone else just tells you what you are or how you do things, um, and you're less likely to embrace the desire to change. So that is why I think it's so important for us to do our own research towards self-discovery. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a lot like what we have said about spiritual direction, where you know, spiritual direction is about us facilitating the process for someone to go down that journey themselves and make those uh, discoveries on their own instead of us saying, well, this is what you should believe or this is what you should do. So yeah, I like that. Very good. Thanks a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I think spiritual direction is a great place to kind of wrestle through more of who you are and maybe even who you are related directly to the Enneagram as well. 